This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast. A show that brings meaning and purpose to the fantasy season. It's our hope to help you win your league. But more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. This is the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast presented by MediShare. I'm Bryce Johnson. It is Tuesday after Fantasy Championship Weekend. We have got a lot to discuss. We are here for you. If you lost in the championship, we are here to celebrate with you. If you won a Fantasy Championship this year, and for those of you that that lost, didn't even make the playoffs, We're here to encourage you as well. But as we've done all season long here on the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast, we unpack fantasy, faith, and life. We're not experts, but rather fantasy coaches here to encourage you and help you find meaning and purpose throughout the fantasy season. And we hope that we helped you win a little bit along the way as well. And as you found out, we're not always right, but hopefully we were convincing Throughout the year, I'm coming to you from the Unpacking It studio in Charlotte, North Carolina. We will say hello to Harrison Zuckerberg, who is back. Uh, I did two shows uh, over the break that that I pre-recorded uh, without him, but he is back today, and and we will catch up with him. Uh, before we do, I want to thank our presenting sponsor, MediShare. They're an innovative healthcare solution for Christians looking to save money without sacrificing on quality. They are the nation's largest healthcare sharing community. My wife and I, we've been MediShare members for over five years. They've provided us with an affordable and effective way to pay for healthcare. And and I love being able to tell you guys about it as well. And so if you want to find out more information about MediShare, if it's the right fit for you and your family, text the word UNPACK to the number 201-201. So text the word unpack to the number 201201, and then they'll send you a link uh, where you can find out more information uh, about what they they have to offer you. So let's say hello to Harrison. Today on the show, we will do fantasy shenanigans. I'm convinced. And then we'll do our biggest takeaways from the fantasy season, and we'll get into the playbook. As always, this week's topic is about validation. And we will also talk about what we got right this year, what we got wrong, the most surprising players, the most disappointing players. And then next week's show, we will look more toward next season and kind of attacking the offseason from a fantasy perspective a little bit, what we'll be looking out for, and and some of our our big takeaways heading into the offseason as well, uh, which we'll do next week. So, Harrison, happy holidays. How you doing? Happy Fantasy Championship Day. Uh, 
I squeaked out one championship in six leagues out of six leagues. So I won one. Uh, thankfully, I won the league that I was in with you. So you made it to the final four. Uh, so thankfully, both of us had a good showing. Um, shockingly, we had a guy named David, uh, loyal listener of this podcast. He was down and out. His season was over. But he stuck with it, made a run, knocked out Harrison along the way, and ended up, I faced him in the championship and was able to get the win. So uh, that was exciting. But Harrison, how you doing? How did your leagues turn out? <sighs> I wish I wish I could say that they turned out better than they did. I made it to two championship games this past weekend, and I was feeling good after the 1 o'clock games. I, I was projected to win after the 1 o'clock football games, and then both the teams that I was playing had Rashad Penny, Amon, Ma, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Debo Samuel. And those three guys sunk my fantasy championship hopes. I mean, Penny and Amon Ross St. Brown put up almost a combined 70 points, which is just unbelievable to think about two guys that weren't on rosters to start the year, you know, just single-handedly season. Yeah. Single-handedly delivering fantasy championships. So I feel a little defeated, but I, I mean, at the same time, I feel good for the guys that won. Because I know it took, you know, skill and they were they were prying on the waiver wire, trying to find those hidden gems and props to them for being able to come up with guys that made such an impact when it when it mattered most. It it was it was a wild Sunday. It really was. And and then even last night was kind of a weird game with Pittsburgh and, and Cleveland and Nick Chubb not doing much. And uh, I had the big decision. So in both of my leagues, I had quarterback troubles. And and so I was trying to figure out what to do. One league, Lamar Jackson. I put in Carson Wentz, still won that league. The other league, I also started Carson Wentz. Big mistake. But I did start him over Ben Roethlisberger, which turned out to be fine. Uh, but in my big ring league, which I, which I talk about, this is the league that I've been in since high school, and I guess this was year number 18. I finally made it back to the championship, and this was actually the first championship I lost. Lost to the guy who now has won back-to-back. -back. Uh, I was the best man in his wedding, so... I guess that he, he sent out a text before that, that best man duties. I, I had to let him win. Um, I did not let him win, even though putting in Carson Wentz would maybe make you think that. Um, but, but that gets to what I'm convinced of. And, and we'll talk fantasy shenanigans a little bit more throughout the show as well. But um, and just kind of how we finished up the season. But I'm convinced there weren't great quarterbacks this year. There, there weren't even enough great quarterbacks to fill out I'm in a 14-man league to fill out a 14-man league and even 12-man leagues. When you talk about guys like Lamar Jackson being out and I wasn't confident enough to put Huntley in because um, he'd kind of been a little banged up as well. And then, you know, you, you, I've talked about Ryan Tannehill. He was a guy I liked heading into the year, but then their offense just has changed throughout the season and, and he wasn't reliable week in, week out from a fantasy standpoint. Kirk Cousins was a guy that I wasn't a believer in. And then, of course, he missed uh, on Sunday. Matt Ryan wasn't reliable. Um, Russell Wilson was a letdown this year. And so on and on and on, there were, there were a lot of guys you couldn't count on. And then even the guys that were the top quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, for the most part, they weren't lighting it up. Now, Joe Burrow lit it up on, uh, on Sunday. Not many people were necessarily counting on that, and, and he wasn't doing that every week either. So, anyway, my point is, I'm playing Carson Wentz. It's like, oh, he put up 13 points. 
well, it's only seven less than who I lost to Josh Allen. And so, you know, what, what, what do we make of that? So that's something that we'll have to just talk about uh, as the offseason comes on. But, but that's what I'm convinced of uh, today. What, what about for you, Harrison? Yeah, I mean, I think that was really interesting to look at because, you know, one of my strategies this season was either I was going to, you know, get Kyler Murray or Tom Brady, two guys who I thought were going to do really well. I mean, Tom Brady did great, and then Kyler Murray got injured. But when he played, he was okay. Or I was going to get Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins was my guy. And a lot of people made fun of me for grabbing Kirk Cousins. But, you know, Kirk Cousins putting up 17 points every week to Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes putting up 21, that difference isn't really that much. Um, and, and something that I looked at when you talk about elite quarterbacks, last year there were six quarterbacks who threw or scored over 350 fantasy points, which means they're scoring about 25 you know, points per week. That's pretty good for a quarterback. This year, there was only two. And that we didn't really have that, you know, unbelievable fantasy season from anyone. We had good ones, but not unbelievable like Josh Allen last year, Lamar Jackson the year before, Patrick Mahomes the year before that. Usually there's always, you know, like you said, at least one elite quarterback. We didn't really have that this year. We're just a lot of, you know, either good or inconsistent. And, um, and la- so last year, you know, Josh Allen was underrated. Aaron Rodgers was underrated. And Justin Herbert came out of nowhere. So those three guys last season won a lot of leagues, whereas all three of those guys had high expectations this year. And, and they were the three, you know, three of the top guys. Uh, so they, they followed it up, which was nice. But yeah, the guys that came out of nowhere, it, it just wasn't it wasn't there. And, and we, the elite production wasn't there. Yeah, we didn't have the guys who came out of nowhere. And even the guys that were drafted like super high they still finished super high. So like Josh Allen still finished as like the number one QB. Patrick Mahomes still finished, you know, top five. Tom Brady still finished top five. But instead of scoring, you know, 25, 30 points, they were scoring around 20 points. So it was just everyone was lowered. So you still felt disappointed taking one of the top quarterbacks, even if he finished as the quarterback too, because you're like, well, why did I take this guy in the third round or the fourth round and reach for him when I could have, you know, someone in the 10th round who's, you know, getting 18 points. Like it, it's not a difference having an elite quarterback this year. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's, it, it really is a fascinating. We talked about it a few weeks ago, but just the quarterback position this year in fantasy and what does it look like moving forward? Uh, another one of those, those big questions. And so how will that affect our strategy next year? Uh, I, it'll be intriguing. I, I will say I, the the one team I'm most curious to see what they do at the quarterback position is the Steelers. And if it's the right guy, the right fit, I want that guy. Cause they still have the weapons there. Friar Muth was awesome this year. He's a tight end. I still you know want to target next year and they get Juju. I guess he'll be back. I don't know if he's a free agent. He may, he may have only signed a one year deal, but you, know, you got Claypool and Deontay Johnson. So that's one team where I could, all right, let's see what they're going to do. But anyway, we'll, we'll talk more about that next week. Um, all right, what else are you convinced of uh, this week? So I'm convinced that this championship week and the season in total, like this was the year of the waiver wire, and championships were won by the most unlikely heroes. I already talked about St. Brown and Rashad Penny, you know, killing me this week. But other guys like Braxton Berrios, Jacoby Myers, you know, Jarrett Patterson, Kristen Wilkerson on the Patriots, Cyril Grayson on the Bucks stepping up because of wide receiver, yeah, wide them. receiver injuries. I they mean, weren't putting them in their lineups, were they? Is it? I I saw some people with uh, like 
Zay Jones in their lineup who ended up having a huge game for for the Raiders. Cedric Wilson for the Cowboys. I mean, like there were so many guys who were like, you know, if you had them in your flex, you were probably panicking a little who then like really outperformed like what they were expected to do and probably won you your matchup by getting those 20 points this week. Um, And overall for the entire season, like when we look at the waiver wire, Cordero Patterson, someone who probably wasn't drafted in any leagues. Now we may have like seen the writing on the wall that a backup running back for Atlanta would, would have a big season. I thought it was going to be Javion Hawkins and then they cut him and Cordell Patterson ended up taking his place. Um, But he had a huge year. Elijah Mitchell came in and when he played, he was, he was really big. I mean, Hunter Renfro was like the wide receiver 84 at some point, finishes wide receiver, you know, 11 when he was being probably not even drafted. Um, I mean, you look at tight ends like Dawson Knox and in Zach Ertz, like there are just so many guys who, who weren't even like on rosters who were probably your best players when it came to the championship week this season and really carried you throughout the whole year. Yeah, no, it's 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 interesting because you're absolutely right. Those names entered the lineups, and there's no question about it. But I am still the big believer that it's all about the draft. And I think you have to draft well in order to win, especially consistently in fantasy. And maybe that sounds obvious, but, but I guess I, I don't want people, oh, I'll just work the waiver wire all year and win a championship. You might be able to do that one year. But, but I just don't think you can do that. Because I know there are some people who are like, yeah, whatever, about the draft. Like, I'll make up for it. I'm a great in-league in manager. And I'll just speak for my one league that I'm in year in, year out. So there's, you know, there's more history with it. But we left the draft. Now, we drafted in July. So it was a little early for, for, for most leagues. But we left the draft, and we thought this one guy had a terrible draft. We're like, dude, it, you're in trouble. You're bad. He lost. He lost the league. He finished in last place. So it was kind of evident, even in July, Dude, you're hitching your wagon to the wrong guys. You drafted the wrong team. Now, I look back at, at how I drafted. So I ended up in the championship, you know, lost, but still had a great season. I won the regular season. I drafted my top four picks, Austin Eckler, George Kittle, Cooper Cup, Damian Harris. So that is a championship-level team, and those are my top four picks. So if you can hit – and I don't hit on – my top four picks every year. Last year I had Zeke Elliott and he killed me um, and Kittle last year and he didn't do anything, but this and Kittle didn't do anything this year in the championship. But, but those four guys to hit on that, that's really good. So anyway, my point is you still want to prepare for drafts. And if you draft well, and I also drafted Michael Pittman, I drafted him late. Thanks to you. I drafted Brandon cooks. I took your advice and I drafted Brandon cooks. And so the core of my team remained the same. And really, the only guy I picked up uh, that, that entered my, my starting lineup, uh, Ronald Jones, who cost me. So thanks a lot, Ronald Jones. So thanks a lot, Waiver Wire. Um, so it's, it's very interesting what you bring up with, with how guys won leagues with random players. But don't get away from the, the bread and butter of the draft. It's, it's, sorry, I'm going on and on. But it's kind of the same thing in the NFL where, sure, the, the Patriots went out and spent a ton of money in free agency, the waiver wire, quote unquote, but they also drafted well, right? They drafted these guys and they drafted Mac Jones and that's why they've made a big jump this year. Um, so it's interesting stuff. Anyway, any final thoughts? Yeah, I think one thing that's just, you know, 
really interesting about the waiver wire too is is that even if you're not getting these year-long guys and your core is still with the guys that you drafted, like you missed out on Cordell Patterson, he's not going to be like a year-long player for you. I feel like there were so many guys this year, running backs especially, where you could pick them up for just one week and you get 25 points from them and it wins you your week at least. Like Khalil Herbert, you know, Jarrett Patterson, Ramondre Stevenson, Justin Jackson, Rex Burkhead had a couple 20-point games this year. Like Sonny Michelle was big during the back half. I mean, like, yeah, it's, I think the waiver wire isn't your whole team, but it's so much of an added bonus. Cause let's say you do draft well, like we advise everyone to do. And we try to give people advice, you know, in the office on how to draft well. And you have that solid core and then you can just add another top 20 running back to that for free off the waiver wire. I mean, that's really what like separates you from the pack and wins championships is getting that one guy off the waiver wire who then it's like almost having another second round draft pick on your team. Yeah, no, it, it, it makes a difference. And those that at the same time, so I went all in on Eli Mitchell. I think you did too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wasted my whole, not wasted, but I used my whole waiver wire budget on him and he was very valuable, but it did cost me the rest of the season because I didn't have the money to work on the, the, the fab waiver wire. Um, so you do have to, it's like, yeah, you're almost better hitting the one or two week kind of single doubles versus going all in on one guy potentially because um, injuries happen. So then all of a sudden, well, anyway, I go on, and on, but, but, th- but that, so there are different strategies even within that working the waiver wire throughout the season. So do you feel good that you went all in on Eli in the league that I went all in on him on? Yeah. I felt pretty good because he, I went all in on him to be a flex player for me, not one of my you know top two running backs and it kind of worked out where the weeks where he were was injured, I had someone else who could step in. But the weeks when he played, you know, he was getting over 15 points, 20 points pretty much every week just because of how much a focal point he was in that offense. So I felt good from that standpoint because I knew when he was going to play, he was going to score points for me. Man, um, I'm curious, uh, those of you listening, yeah, wh- where did you come out as far as the, the teams that won in your league? And if you were the one that, that won, was it more about the draft or was it more about the waiver wire? I guess that's what it comes down to. What, what helped you more? Um, I'd be curious to, to see that. And the other big thing is just as we look at kind of big takeaways from the overall fantasy season, I, I think the tight end position really let you down. And in recent years, it was almost like if you had Travis Kelsey – you were going to the championship, you were winning championships, you were locked and loaded because the gap between him and the next best tight end was tremendous, and especially in the last couple of years. Um, and so that wasn't the case this year. He was fine. Still, uh, he's probably tight end two or three. Mark Andrews was tight end one, but Mark Andrews let you down in the championship. He didn't do as much. Um, even though I lost to Mark Andrews, um, I had George Kittle, and George Kittle was a big letdown. But I, I think the tight end position was so wide open this year. Um, and I'm just wondering, as we, again, as we look toward next year, are there any elite tight ends worth taking? I don't think anybody's worth taking in the first round. And then we have to think about second or third round. Or do you hope for the next guy to burst out? Um, get the next Darren Waller it, it maybe is your best bet. Or the next, because George Kittle came out of nowhere whenever he had a big year. Um, and even Kelsey to a certain extent early in his career. Um, so 
that was, that was, there were just, yeah, no elite tight ends. And if you did draft Darren Waller, he let you down. Kittle let you down. Kelsey, not as much as you expected taking him in the first round. Um, TJ Hawkinson was my guy this year. Didn't take the next step. And he was injured toward the end of the season. So any other, uh, any other big takeaways you wanted to, just from a general standpoint, and then we'll get into the playbook. Yeah, I think that's interesting um, with the tight end. It, I feel like every year there's one player who typically wouldn't be taken in the first round, but then the whole fantasy community is like, well, well, maybe he should be. Like when when Patrick Mahomes had his unbelievable season, you're like, oh, well, I'm never going to take a quarterback in the first round. But then you saw people starting to take a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes or even Lamar Jackson after his year in the first round. Because it's like, well, the advantage of him over the next best guy is just so much greater than anything else that I could get from, you know, having the seventh best running back if I'm at the end of the first round. And both years after that, you know, those managers probably regretted that. We saw that with Kelsey this year. He was like, well, maybe I'll take the number one tight end instead of getting the number eight running back at the back of the first round. Probably regretted that as well. Same thing even a few years ago when Michael Thomas had his unbelievable season. Michael Thomas was then like the third or fourth pick in a lot of drafts because they were like, I'm going to get Michael Thomas instead of the fifth best running back. You regretted that as well. So I think, you know, the bread and butter is, is really just take running backs in the first round because they're most likely going to like the top 10 running backs usually finish somewhere around the top 10 running backs. Um, sometimes you have sure. a guy like Austin Eckler, who was the eighth best, you know, per ADP who then finishes number two. And then sometimes, you know, you have a guy like Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook who don't finish as high as they were projected, but when they play are still decent enough that it's not like, all right, I'm getting a complete zero from my first round pick just because they're <laughs> running decent enough. Definitely decent enough. Well, Cook yeah. was a let, let down this week, but with no Kirk Cousins. But I know he still had his games. It wasn't like, you know, I drafted Michael Thomas in the first round and then he doesn't play for the whole season or something like that. So it's, it's, you know, it's an interesting thing to think about because I'm sure this upcoming draft there will be a lot of people who will de- like be debating if Cooper Cup should be taken maybe even number one overall there's a lot of people who are gonna you know be definitely trying to take him in the first round and even next year I would not be surprised if you saw Jamar Chase be taken in the Ooh, first yeah. round of a lot of drafts you know second year wide receiver already breaking record or just unbelievable like it's going to be really interesting which one of those guys, you know, climb way higher than they actually should be and what that ends up doing for the rest of those teams' fantasy lineups who end up taking a player like Cup or, or, or Chase in the first round of a draft next year. Absolutely. So, wow. All right. We'll, we'll talk more about Cooper Cup in, in a little bit. We'll, we'll still do some of our biggest surprises, disappointments from the season. Um, we did it a little bit a couple weeks ago, so we'll go a little bit more in depth on, on a couple of those guys uh, coming up. But let's jump into the Fantasy Football Fellowship playbook. And this is the final week of the playbook. And this is what it's all about. Winning championships, baby. So the topic today is winning and receiving validation. And I got to admit, I got to confess, you know, I do this podcast and I, I try to give you know my insights I've played a long time I've won some some leagues and all that I like to get validation by actually winning at the end of the season and so the fact that I won the fantasy football fellowship league it validates right it gives me a little validation I beat Harrison gave me a little validation right 
So it you know makes you makes you feel good. And so if you happen to win your league today, you know you woke up this morning or you watched till the end last night, and you saw your team got the W, and you are a fantasy champion, and you want everyone to know in your league, hey, I'm better than you, <laughs> right? I put all this time and effort. I I looked at the waiver wire. I drafted well, and I win. And, and so it gives you this, you know, level of affirmation, approval, worthiness, and it's nice. It's a good feeling, but here's the deal. It also is fleeting. It goes away because it'll be fun for, you know, a couple months maybe, but then you're all of a sudden you start looking toward the next season, especially in the, you know, the leagues that I've been in forever, you know, it's, we give love to the guy who wins, but then we're always like, well, I'm going to get it next year. I'm going to get it next year. So you quickly move on. And then that guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job last year. That's ah, all about next season. And so you, you move on. But in life, we all appreciate validation, approval, affirmation. You know, if I do something at home and, and my wife notices and hey, good job or thank you. You know, we like that. We, we like to, we like to win. We like to get the recognition when we win or when we do something, do something well, whether at work, whether at home, whether in fantasy football, uh, that's what we, we enjoy. So we, we embrace that. The reality is, though, the, the fleeting uh, element to this is, is, is real. And so we're longing for a more fulfilling, lasting validation. And all of these other things are just temporary or uh, they, they fall short of what we're ultimately designed for. And, and so we become validated and we become uh, made right, justified when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior and when we humbly acknowledge that we are sinners and that we can never do enough to validate or become worthy or become good enough. Nothing we do here ever makes us, you know, good enough to, to save ourselves. Um, and, and so that's why Jesus came to earth and lived the perfect life and died on the cross for you and I, and he validates us. <laughs> you know, that's ultimately uh, where it says in Romans 5, 1, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. And so we want to be made right in God's eyes. And, and the only way that happens is through Jesus, not by anything we do. And so now we are in, in good standing with God. We get eternal life with God. Uh, because of our faith in Jesus and because of that surrender uh, to, to Jesus and, and, and his uh, work on the cross. And so now as we live this life, we don't have to worry about the validation and the, improve, the approval of people. Like, because ultimately, it just doesn't matter. And we know that in fantasy, and that's why we play with more meaning and purpose here at Fantasy Football Fellowship. It doesn't matter if we win or lose. It doesn't make us any better. And I, you know, I joke, oh, I'm better than you because I won. No, come on. We're, we're depending on players on the field that we have literally no control over. Zero. Now, we put our lineup in and, and that kind of thing. And sure, if, if you have experience, you're going to do better in the long run than the person that doesn't have experience and that doesn't keep up with it. Um, and that's what we try to do to, to win. 
But ultimately, all these things, when we get approval for you know, stuff at work or, or whatever it is, if we're chasing the approval, even the, the approval of our parents and the validation of our parents that, oh man, I just want to be good enough. I want to be good enough. And, and this can be a, just a, a futile effort and, and just exhausting. But when we rest in knowing that God has approved us, not because of us, but because of Jesus and, and has, you know, allowed us to be in his family and be forgiven and be saved and, and have eternal life. That's what we can rest in that our identity is in him. Um, and, and so that's, what's, what's most important. So while we live here on earth, second Timothy two fifteen says work hard so you can present yourself to, to, to God, receive his approval, be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. And so we're, we're already accepted into his family. We're already approved into his family. But when we show up in, in heaven and stand before him one day, and, and he says, hey, I've given you, you know, these gifts, and I, I opened up doors for you, and I, and I gave you the strength and power from the Holy Spirit within you. Okay, what, what, what did life look like? And, and so we want to be able to, to work hard and present ourselves to God and receive his approval where he can say, my, my good and faithful servant. Um, and so, yeah, we want to work hard for him, not so that we are, uh, we, it's not based on our works in order to, to, to get his ultimate approval, but we are called to do things here on earth. And there, there, we should have fruit in our lives. Our, our, our lives should make a difference for his kingdom and for his purposes. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's this, you know, Two, two elements today that we're, we're talking about. So in one way, we're totally validated. We're good to go. If we know Jesus and we follow Jesus, we're all set. But it doesn't mean we throw the, the, the rest of our life away. No, we work hard for him, with him, not out of duty or obligation. But yeah, we want to be able to say, yeah, I worked, I worked for you, Lord. I gave my life to you. I, I committed my life to you. I did what you asked me to do. I obeyed you. I wasn't perfect, but even in my weakness, you made me strong, and I rested in your grace. I rested in your love, and so that's, that's what we want to do today. So today, let's praise God for allowing us to be accepted, welcomed, and embraced by him because of Jesus. Let's allow that life-changing peace to give us all the confidence we need to live a life that's pleasing to him. And so uh, the prayer I put in there, I said, Heavenly Father, I'm sorry I worry so much about receiving validation and acceptance from others. Help me have peace in knowing I've been made right with you because of my faith in Jesus. So it's in his name we pray uh, today. So there you go. It's nice to win fantasy championships, but it's, it's a fleeting validation. <laughs> so let's, let's rest in the arms of Jesus and rest in his finished work. Uh, and then let's live for him and live a pleasing life that, that God approves, uh, that he's pleased with. And, and so that's a, a good way to go. So are we pleasing man or are we pleasing God? That's the question. Uh, we want to please God. We want to do what, do what he asks. So uh, again, out of, out of our response to the love that he's shown us. So you can unpack that today. We finished the Fantasy Football Fellowship playbook. Hopefully we'll, uh, we'll write a, a second version of this book. Uh, so we'll keep you posted on that. But thanks to everyone that purchased uh, Playbook Season 1. Uh, if you missed out and you want to go through this book next year uh, with your own league, uh, make sure you check out fantasyfootballfellowship.com. And we'd love to uh, have you look into that 
for your church or for your league next season. All right, Harrison, time for a little accountability as we look back on this last week of the season, championship week, but also just kind of as with the season overall, where, where did we get it wrong? Where do we get it wrong? Maybe the most or our biggest, our biggest mistakes uh, from the year. Um, I'll, I'll start by saying I totally whiffed on Rashad Penny and he, I, I just never expected him to come in at the last minute and toward the end of the season, we've been talking about Rashad Penny for years. He never did anything. He was always injured. He was never reliable. And all of a sudden, toward the end of the year, he has these huge games. So I totally whiffed on that. So I told everyone not to pick him up, and I was wrong. So I, uh, I apologize for that. I whiffed on that. And then kind of going into the year, I just wasn't – I thought Jalen Hurts was overrated, but he finished eighth. And so the fantasy community, I think in general – was kind of right. I think he was probably QB 10 going into the year. So he actually exceeded that. So, so good for him. I was wrong on him. Um, and then also I kept waiting for Joe Mixon to get injured. I couldn't fully trust Mixon. I had him on one team, but I couldn't fully trust him. But for the most part, he was healthy and finished running back three was a true workhorse and really was the second workhorse behind Jonathan Taylor. Those were the two best workhorses this year because my boy, Austin Eckler, he does it a different way. He doesn't get a ton of touches, which is why I like him, because he, he really didn't miss much time either. He got COVID one week and then missed, I guess, one other game. Um, but he did it out of the backfield, and di- he did more with less. Whereas Mixon, Taylor, they were your grinded-out guys week in, week out. Very strong performances, but I, I missed a little bit on, on Mixon, I must say. Where where, uh, where some, something you went wrong this year, Harry? So I was convinced all season that, you know, not all season, but the beginning of the season, that Trey Sermon was going to come in and take over the San Francisco running back job and be a stud in fantasy. And I had him ranked at RB35 going into the season. His ADP was actually RB31. So it seems like most of the fantasy community agreed with me as well. But he finished his RB95 and really did not play at all during the season. He got one week where both Elijah Mitchell and... um who Raheem Mostert were injured where he was the starter and did okay. But other than that, he was a complete disappointment um, as a breakout candidate for this season. Maybe we'll save it for the next show. But I think a question is, is this the end for him? Or we've seen other rookie running backs come in, be disappointments. Ronald Jones, Devin Singletary. Uh, Was Montgomery good his rookie year? He was was okay. Yeah, he was okay, but he was better his second year. Um, those guys come to mind. Uh, we've seen it over the years. So it'll, it'll be interesting if Sermon, and maybe it ends up being somewhere else. Even Donta Foreman, now all these years later. Rashad Penny, all these years later. So I do wonder with Trey Sermon, is there any potential there? Uh, but you're exactly wrong yep. about, you're, you're exactly right about being wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was right there with you. Nobody saw Eli Mitchell coming, I don't think. Yeah. So and then, uh, go ahead. Another, you got one more. Yeah. So I was going to say another guy. Um, and I guess just guys in general, while I was really high on the rookie running back class with Najee Harris and Trey Sermon and Javonta Williams, I wasn't super high on the wide receiver class. And it's not because I didn't mm-hmm. think they were talented. I just didn't like any of the situations that the guys were in. I thought there was already a lot of weapons in both Cincinnati and in Miami and that Chase and Waddle weren't going to get a ton of looks. Um, you know, I thought Devontae Smith and Amon Ross St. Brown were going to be on uh, just really bad offenses where they weren't going to get a ton of opportunity. 
So I didn't have any rookie wide receivers in my top 30 wide receiver rankings. And Jamar Chase, Waddle, St. Brown, Devontae Smith all ended up finishing as top 30 wide receivers, proving me wrong and really, you know, made me kick myself for the whole season of when it came down to, you know, who was that wide receiver I was going to take a shot at or maybe put in my flex as my number three or four guy, not taking a rookie with the upside to have a breakout season. I'm right there with you. I, I whiffed on those guys, and I guess I guess I had St. Brown in one league, Chase in one league, and Smith in one league. But yeah, I didn't go all in on those guys and didn't have them in multiple leagues and missed out on them for sure. I totally wrote off Waddle, and I, I just kind of wrote off the Dolphins this year, which they ended up getting hot, and then they huge letdown on Sunday. Um, how about that? Goodness, Titans, unbelievable. Um, but Chase, of course, has emerged as a, a, a legit, top five wide receiver, if not better, moving forward. And St. Brown, oh my goodness, we have got to take notice of him. And I still think going into next year, he'll end up being a steal. I, I still don't think because the Lions never get the credibility, but St. Brown was doing this on a, a team that wasn't trying to win, a team with a backup quarterback to a quarterback that really wasn't that great anyway with Goff. So St. Brown was good with Goff. He was good with Boyle. Uh, the running game didn't even do much with, with uh, Swift this past week, yet Brown still does well. So it's just, it's, it's, it's incredible. What, what he's done to finish the season, the consistency, the huge numbers. He's like one of the highlights for me this year. Um, in the wasteland of Detroit, um, you know, Hawkinson was a letdown and Swift was okay, but still he didn't take the next step this year that I probably hoped he would. Uh, and there St. Brown was, man. I didn't even know who he was. He came out of nowhere for me. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I was, you know, when it comes to rookie tight ends, I was against Kyle Pitts at how early people were taking him. And it's kind, it's kind of a neutral thing. He did okay. He averaged over 10 points a game. I'm not sure he won you leagues, though. Uh, you still probably paid too yeah. much of a premium for and, him. And there was like two games where he had like he had like 30 points in one game and 25 in another. So I was like, all right, great. You got those two huge games, but then you were getting four or five from him like every other yeah. week. So it, it, yeah, it was, even though his end of the season rank finished high, it was just not a great season for him for what you paid for him. I, I yeah, I tend to agree with that. Uh, let's see, what else did I get wrong? I was wrong really Kirk Cousins and kind of the Vikings. I was out on the Vikings this year. Um, well, I guess they ultimately didn't make the playoffs, so I probably wasn't totally wrong. Um, but Cousins ended up being better. He averaged more than Russell Wilson. Never would have expected that going into the season. I was high on Russell Wilson, so whiffed on that. I, he was actually the one guy that I really wanted to draft. I didn't. I didn't get him in any leagues, but I expected him to be awesome this year. Uh, like the most reliable guy, he's never injured. And sure enough, he got injured in Seattle was a disaster. So another one of those guys, where does he end up next year? Where is Russell Wilson? Gosh, think about him in Pittsburgh, a number of places, Denver. Uh, it could be interesting. New Orleans, or does he actually go back to Seattle? Doesn't seem, doesn't seem to make sense, but we'll see about that. Um, all right. How about what you got right this year? What do, what do you feel most proud of? So I think we both feel very proud of drafting Damian Harris. I had Damian Harris in nearly every league because I thought he was like the perfect second running back to get. His ADP was RB29, and he finished as RB18 on the year, even with missing some games. But just, you know, 14 touchdowns on the season. 
And that was what scared people off from last year was that he didn't score like any touchdowns because Cam Newton took them all. Don't have to worry about that with Mac Jones. Every rushing touchdown went to Damian Harris. He had a great season this year. But next year, it will be interesting to see what ends up happening with him and Ramondre Stevenson because Stevenson really is a stud. Like when he, when, when Harris was out, he came in and was awesome. So that's another guy who super glad to have my lineup this year. You know, awesome pick really helped me get to the championship. He had 30 something points uh, in the semifinals week, but do I want him on my team again next year? That's something that we're going to have to see. Yeah, I th- I, it proved there was enough for Stevenson and Harris, I think, in, in the long run. So a number of teams across the league, a lot of one-two punches. Denver, one-two punch. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on. So there, there are those teams that do that. It's great to get the workhorse. Actually, I didn't mention Najee Harris. He was a workhorse this year. I mean, what a stud. He had a tremendous season uh, in the other fantasy football fellowship league. So the other league I did poorly in because Derrick Henry went down. Um Congratulations to Paul, loyal listener. He won the league on a Najee Harris touchdown. Uh, and he's a Pittsburgh fan, so that was that was big. But Harris, as a rookie running back, as good of a performance, you know, kind of all year long, even on an offense that was sputtering a little bit with, with Roethlisberger, very impressive with Harris. And I was a little hesitant with him going in the first round, even though we all kind of like, we like the setup with Harris. It was like, oh, man, he's good, coming from Alabama going to a good system. He should be good, but man, taking him in the first round, a rookie in the first round. Ah, how do you feel about that? But he lived up to it. So good, good for him. Um, but my point is a lot of one, two punches, you know, committees, and, and there was enough for both guys. And, and in new England, that was definitely the case. Um, all right. So where I got things right this year, I'm most proud of Cooper cup. I mean, I never, honestly, I never expected him to be the number one wide receiver. Um, but I did draft him over DJ Moore, and that was a great decision. Got him in the third round. Uh, actually, actually, that was even a little bit of a reach, but I was willing to reach for him because I was real into St- Stafford going to L.A. So I bought that stock, and, and that, that paid dividends for sure. Uh, Robert Woods was disappointing this year, but Cup was the guy. Um, the fact that those two, Stafford and Cup, developed that rapport and the fact that Cup averaged over 25 points a game in PPR, his lowest point total was 11. That was his worst game was 11. That means all the other games, I mean, he was so consistently elite. This is remarkable because I always avoid Tyreek Hill, uh, Stefan Diggs to a certain extent. These guys have monster games, and then they can disappear. And those guys, I don't want, I, to me, it's really hard to win championships with those guys. When you get a guy like Cup, oh my gosh, that consistency. Devontae Adams, another guy who's just consistent week in, week out. You'll love those guys. Um, and then the other thing I got right with Austin Eckler, the, the, honestly, this sounds ridiculous now, but go back to the tape. My two running backs this year, Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler. Those are the two guys I wanted. Those are the two guys I took in the first round. Um, in, in all my leagues that I drafted uh, with a new year, I took Taylor or Eckler. Um, now, we did an auction. Well, even in the auction league, I got Eckler. Um, so that, those, are, those are my guys. Uh, so those, those guys turned out really well. But with Eckler, he averaged 21 points a game, finished RB2, um, very, very solid. And you know what I love about him? He plays fantasy football. He embraces fantasy football. That's the kind of guy I want on my team. Oh. 
Yeah, like with Austin Eckler, I remember I originally had him ranked as like RB like five or six or something going into the season. And I looked back at my rankings now. I remember he went on something and said, draft me number one overall in fantasy. I'm going to finish number one. I was like, I like that confidence. I'm going to move you up to my number three running back. And that's nice. where I ended up taking him in a couple leagues be- just because he said that. Um, and he he lived up to it. He finishes like the RB2. So, I mean, that was that was unbelievable. And then another LA Charger, something that I got right, my sleeper wide receiver for the year, who I just thought, you know, Herbert's great. Keenan Allen can't be the only weapon. Got to be another two, number two guy. Mike Williams was drafted as the 48th wide receiver in fantasy with his ADP. Finishes wide receiver 19. It was an up and down road. He had some boom and busts, you know, weeks there, but overall had a great season for taking him as a guy in the later rounds as a flyer wide receiver. And I was wrong about him because I I've always, he's another one of those kind of guys that I shy away from, but Hey, when you're wide receiver 19, that's a strong season and you got good value out of him for sure. Um, and then one other clarification, I drafted Derrick Henry in the first round of the one league. So other than that, so I had Eckler a couple leagues, Taylor in a couple leagues. So just to, just for transparency's sake. All right, how about the six most disappointing players? For me, I already mentioned Russell Wilson. Uh, I'd throw Lamar Jackson in that as well. I did draft Lamar Jackson, and, you know, he was, even when he played, he was just okay. Like, he just wasn't the Lamar Jackson that you hoped for. Now, he had a couple of great games, don't get me wrong, but it's hard to replicate what he did a couple years ago when he came out of the blue and won leagues in a big way. Um, so you hope to, to recapture some of that, but he was a disappointment. And then I mentioned TJ Hawkinson. He was a letdown. I took him in a ton of leagues. Uh, very disappointing. George Kittle was disappointed in the championship and he was injured a lot of the season. So my two tight ends this year, woof, yikes, that was difficult. So who, who was most disappointing for you? Uh, Jerry Judy was terribly disappointing for me. He was my breakout, you know, mid round wide receiver you convinced me on him. And then he got he got injured, then came back, then never really did anything. They got injured again a couple of weeks later. Uh, I think he might be someone next year, though, that everyone's going to feel burned and forget about him, and he could maybe put up a solid year if he's healthy. So watch out for him next year. Depending uh, on who quarterback, for sure. Yeah, it depends who they get. If they get, you know, one of these top guys who everyone thinks might be traded there, he's the number one target there, of course. You know, he's going to do well with Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers instead of Teddy Bridgewater. Um, another guy, Allen Robinson. You know, he only scored over 10 points twice during the season, 10.4 and and 10.8, and finishes the wide receiver 83. He was just unplayable throughout the whole year, and most people drafted him as, you know, their number one wide receiver, at least a really solid number two. And then the last, you know, big disappointment, I think, overall was the group of rookie quarterbacks. Like, this rookie quarterback class, everyone was so excited for. Like, historically good with you know, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Trey Lance and Mac Jones and just uh, Zach Wilson. But the quarterbacks were terrible fantasy wise from this draft class. I think like, you know, usually we stay away from rookie quarterbacks in fantasy, but we always expect one like Herbert or, or Kyler Murray to, you know, step up and provide some fantasy relevant weeks or even the whole season. These quarterbacks were just you know, unstartable for pretty much the entire year, no matter who it was out of the five guys taken in the first round. Cause yeah, even Mac Jones, he was great on the field and helped them win, but he only but had fantasy, a fantasy yeah, game. Fantasy and, wise. He's only thrown for 200 yards and a touchdown. That's not going to get it done. And then you got, you know, Trevor Lawrence just can't get anything going in Jacksonville. And, 
you know, Trey Lance doesn't even play and Chicago's a method. Justin, it, it was just a, just terrible. If you had any hopes for fantasy quarterbacks, I know there were definitely some people who drafted Trevor Lawrence or drafted, oh, yeah. you know, Zach Wilson thinking they're the future. They're going to break out as a rookie quarterback. And it just did not happen. I, I would probably say fields and Lawrence were the guys. And even people were in a, on Lance. They thought, oh, the running ability and all that. And, and I think you held on to him. A lot of yeah. people held on to him. I held on to him. Yeah. When he I mean, would get, I mean, we did see last week, I think he scored 23 fantasy yep. points this week. And in, he wasn't even that good either. Yeah. He wasn't even that good. Like next season, if he is the guy, that is yeah. someone where I like, I don't want to say he's going to have a Lamar Patrick Mahomes type second year rookie season, like where he's really a rookie, even though he was, you know, playing the year before but he could put up elite numbers next year with Kyle Shanahan in that offense. Debo Samuel helps. Man, yep. that guy, was, he had an unbelievable year too. He's one of the fantasy MVPs. Uh, no question. I lost to him. Thanks a lot, Debo. Um, I was not happy with Trey Lance on Sunday because he was not throwing the ball to Kittle. Throw the ball to Kittle. Come on. Come on, Lance. Uh, all right. How about the most surprising players I mean, it's Cordero Patterson. I mean, he's the number one guy. It's unbelievable. Top 10 running back in Atlanta. I can't believe Atlanta even won any games this year. They won, what, seven? Just crazy. Um, So he was very impressive. Leonard Fournette for most of the year was one of the top running backs, which shouldn't have necessarily been totally surprised by that. But I think he took a big step this year in kind of his second year in Tampa. And then I totally wrote off Melvin Gordon. And he was solid. He wasn't, you know, spectacular, but here's a running back that later in his career is still still producing. We, you know, he leaves LA and or the he was with San Diego, but leave the Chargers and ah, maybe he's done. He goes to Denver and he's had a couple nice seasons there. So so good for him. But Javante Williams is the guy you want. This guy's the real deal. Ne- next year, yeah. Woo. I'm excited for I'm excited for him. Uh, so surprising players for me. I mean Hunter Renfro coming in and finishing as the wide receiver 11 as like a Shock. number one wide receiver. Cause I mean, when Shock. you think of the other guys who finish as number one wide receivers, you think about, you know, guys like Jamar chase or Julio Jones in the past, or, um, you know, Deandre Hopkins, Hunter Renfro really isn't the build of what you think a number one wide receiver would be, but he, he got it done week in and week out was super consistent. Um, another guy, or you can well, real yeah. quickly on, on Hunter, my guess is going into next year, people aren't going to rank him as wide receiver 11. No, probably, no way. Probably in the twenties. So, but I, but I still think you'll get solid production, especially if Derek Carr is still there. Like those two guys have that chemistry. I'm not sure he's got the talent of Cooper cup to, to make that big of a jump to go all the way to number one. But I do think that he'll be one of those overlooked wide receivers like, Robert Woods, like Tyler Boyd, uh, those types of players, Anquan Bolden. I don't know. Just guys that are like reliable over the years that don't get the big pub like a Jamar Chase, of course. Um, so anyway, I, but I think he's a guy you still want to target. Yeah. And then another guy who was really surprising um, was Dalton Schultz, the tight end for the Cowboys. You know, he finished as the tight end four this year. <laughs> But his ADP was tight end 36, which means, you know, people don't even think that he, there's 32 teams in the league. Like people don't even think he was good enough to be a number one tight end on his own roster, let alone in fantasy. Um, you know, cause there were just so many weapons there. Coop or Cooper. Yeah. Amari Cooper, 
Lamb, Zeke, yeah. Pollard. Like they just had so many guys. You didn't think the there's end? no there's no way the tight end is gonna get a lot of work, but you know, he was great. And then also talking about Dallas, you know, this probably helped my team the most. They were the number one fantasy defense and scored nine touchdowns this year. Nine touch that's unbelievable. Like if a running back or a wide receiver scores nine touchdowns, that's great. Like a defense scoring nine touchdowns. And and they were they were one of the worst defenses in the NFL the year before, completely turned around. I picked them up like week two or week three, and then they just kept on, you know, having solid weeks. So I just never dropped them and ended up with the number one defense in pretty much all of my leagues this year, which was a huge surprise to me. Yeah. Dan Quinn totally turned them around. So I I'm still in a couple of these with defenses, but I, I try to not have defenses or kickers. That's always my, my goal when I, when I play, but on next week's show, we'll talk more about league structure changes to leagues that you'd like to see made uh, in your own leagues. Uh, some different ideas, ways to play fantasy. We're going to have some fun with that on next week's show. Um, so definitely uh, send in your emails. If you have, a great league that you think your your changes that you made this year really worked out well, or if you are trying to get your commissioner to make some changes, uh, what would those be? So you can email me, Bryce, at unpackingit.com. And then uh, we'll talk more about, you know, players that we're going to keep an eye on during the NFL playoffs uh, to see how they finish the season. And then we'll talk about bounce back candidates uh, as well for next year. So uh, so look out for, for next week's show. But thanks for listening today. Harrison, great to be back with you. Uh, congratulations on making it to two championships. You had a good season in our league as well. Um, but on the first annual Auction League Fantasy Football Fellowship Champion. So I am excited about that. And I didn't say this earlier, but I'm convinced auction leagues are better than snake drafts. I love auction. And I just think... Especially, this was I was I was one of the few that had experience in an auction league, so I did have a little bit of an advantage because you do need to some practice in auction leagues to understand strategies and all that. But once you get it, man, it's so fun. Auction leagues are great. But uh, but Harrison, appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks everybody else for for listening. I'm Bryce. I'm a fantasy owner who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that He died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith. I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. We've been validated because of Jesus. So we rest in that. We are good enough because of Jesus. And so now we live to please him and to live in in obedience to him because his way is best. And so that's the encouragement as we leave here today. Have a great rest of your day. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast presented by MetaShare.